Well, he's favourite now for the, the Epsom on the weekend. It'd be a remarkable story, wouldn't it? The horse from Tasmania is now favourite for the Group 1 Epsom on the weekend. And I'm not going to go over what's happened. We know about Scott Brunton and the situation which we've covered with the ATO and then the some fines handed out earlier this week, which was talked about with uh, Tegan and also Scott Brunton as well. Let's talk to Tegan's dad. We want to find out about the horse. Uh, John Keyes is joining us. Good morning, John. Good day, Brent. How are you going? Good, thank you. Now, you're up in the Southern Highlands at the old Waratah property that, that Kieran Maher and clients purchased some time ago. Yep. Um, that's exactly where we are. He came up here, I think it was about four years ago, We uh, when he run, I think it was a Silver Eagle, was it, though? Um, which uh, Heather, my partner, and I come up here and looked after the little boys. So I had a little bit of experience, but not touching the horse, just looking at the setup. It's a sensational setup, and here we are. Yeah, Paul Fudge, of course, built that property, didn't he, previously? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. You talked about the Silver Eagle. He won that back in 2019, defeating Fasica. Then it all went pear-shaped, didn't it? Just take me through what actually happened there, um, heading to the Golden Eagle. There was, there was dramas with the float and different things, wasn't there? Oh, that was bloody awful. I mean, we didn't even know half of the extent of it because Scott... And I think Scott and Tegan travelled with the horse. And uh, the brand-new truck that they had out here they, they, they carried them broke down halfway into the races. It was a stinking hot day, and here they are trying to swap horses over. They got another track, truck back out there, and, um, yeah, it was stinking hot. They had to sort of unload horses and load them in a service station with cars buzzing around everywhere. And, yeah, it was pretty traumatic. And it was only he was only actually minutes away from getting scratched, but... He got there, but I think it took its toll in the finish. And it really knocked his confidence, and that's something that your daughter had to work really, and Scott, obviously, had to work really hard to, to get him back, the inevitable. Yeah, exactly right. He, he did have some hoof problems and et cetera. That's why he races in tips. Um, but, yeah, they've done a mighty job just to get him back, you know, with with that. The property at Seven Mile Beach is what sort of did the job, basically, and um, plus their expertise. So, uh, yeah, no, they've done a good job with yeah, it. Yeah, they mixed up his training, didn't they? I think they took him through the forest, and even over the jumps was something they introduced him to. Yeah, all of that stuff. That's what we're doing now, actually. We're just setting up a little jump for Dave. Dave will deal with him tomorrow on that. The jumps would be bigger than him, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't go too high for, for Perez's benefit, but um, he's not. Yeah, they are. They are small. Yeah, John, you've been a horseman for such a long time. Does this horse amaze you, given the way he is built and just the engine that he's got under the bonnet? Oh, it just never ceases to amaze me. I, I've said, oh, you know, we've had a lot, a lot of horses over the years, and you know, um, mainly slow, but we've had the odd good one here and there. And this horse just staggers me every day. You look at him, and you like he's, you, you just got to stagger what what he's capable of doing. I remember the first. First time Perez got on him at Hobart, he come back and he said he just couldn't believe when he called on him the power to come up out of the ground. You know, he's just amazing horse. He's got push button acceleration, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that's what Dave said. You know, like basically, and now he knows his craft so well. He just, but he waits for the call, you know, and then just changes gears. Even the other day, he was a bit balky behind Waterford back in the field, and probably could potentially cost him victory there. He just wanted to. He sort of was balked, wasn't he, in the Theo Marks fresh up? We thought exactly that. Um, sadly, he has a bit of a trait of that, just ducking in. Um, but going both directions. But Dave's aware of it, so hopefully he'll be 
he'll be ready for it if it happens again. But yeah, you're correct. I, I really feel the back cost him the race. And he had to lump the big weight as well, 59. Yeah, he'll be pretty happy about this week. Mm, you're not wrong. What does he weigh? <clears throat> what, Dave? Was he 440 or something like that, yes? 447 yesterday. Yeah, he's got 55 and a half on the weekend. Yeah, so he, it's a big drop from where he was. It's been a long time since he's carried that sort of weight, a hell of a long time. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember, um, obviously, before my time. <laughs> Dave knows him so well. What's he saying to you, John? Um, I can't believe how cocky he's going into a Group 1 race. So, so, I, I struggle with all that stuff, but he reckons it's just to just go and get him. Scott's told me many times in the past that uh, John, he needs to have a couple of drinks the night before. David, that's that's... That's, he performs at his best, apparently. <laughs> well, I, I've told him there's none, but he dropped his lips, so we better let him have a couple. Yeah. What about some little characteristics or something interesting, John, that we don't know about him that you can share with us, with this little horse, the inevitable? Well, Dave's right beside me. He'd probably tell you more. Yeah. Um, any idiosyncrasies with him? Oh, he's, he's very cheeky at home. He's like a big playground, a sort of mole beast. But when he's, when he's out doing other stuff on other properties, he's a real professional, but... He hasn't got really many quirks. He loves jumping. Um, yeah, he's just a he's just a little ripper. Mm. Dave, some of his sectional times are incredible. Even the other day, he jumped well in the Theo marks. But is that did he just Ryan? He didn't seem to muster a lot of speed. He drifted back, or was that a plan to just let him drift back the other day first up? It's, it's usually what he does. He's very quick out of the gates, but he doesn't show any early speed. And it, it really doesn't matter whether it's over twelve hundred or a mile. He, he he seems to do the same thing. Um, it's just the, it's just the, his pattern of racing, and that gives him the opportunity to finish off the way he does. Of all those sixteen wins from thirty-one starts, David, you've been on most of those um, or a lot of them. Which is the best one in your opinion? His best performance. I I honestly think he's winning the Goodwood over eleven hundred metres. Uh, first up from a break down at uh, Alwick was probably his his most impressive win. Um, but look, he, he had such a great preparation last last prep um, and finishing off with a third and all-star mile, which was like a, a fantastic run. So it's hard to sort of sort of pick, but I, I really do believe his win over 1,100 was probably his best, um, that preparation. And the all-star mile was behind Mr. Brightside, who's a weight for eight star in the country. He's won three group ones since that race. Yeah, he's probably the best middle distance horse uh, here in Australia and possibly in the world. And uh, to be able to finish as close as we did was uh, you know, a credit to the inevitable. How's the confidence level that he'll be in the finish here on the weekend, David? How are you going to ride him from this gate? Will he be midfield somewhere like that, the inevitable? Uh, I think he'll probably be a little bit further back than that. Um, I think it's a fantastic gate drawing barrier eight. Um, I've got some quality horses around me, which I can follow. And he's only a little fella and you don't want to be cluttered up um, on the fence with him. So... It gives him an opportunity to sort of peel out when he straightens up and um, hopefully he can finish off like he did in the Theo Marks. What surface does he really appreciate or he just goes on just about anything? He does go on, on anything. Um, his feet are, he's got pretty delicate feet. Um, that's why we put tips on him. And I, I really feel he, he prefers to sting out of the ground. But he's a tough horse and he, he'll go on anything. But he, I really would like to see a little bit of sting out of the ground. Well, are you? how excited are you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's not very up. Uh, very often that uh, a jockey from Tasmania gets an opportunity to, to ride in a group one and you know to be able to do it uh, for 
for Keys Racing. Um, you know, it's just a great opportunity, and I'm I'm very thankful to the owners uh, to be able to give me this opportunity for them to ride. And David, yourself and Scott, Scott's told us over the years you've had a few blues along the way, but you just seem to have this really good relationship. How long? How did that at all start with Scott, who actually started in, in Queensland training all those years ago? Yeah, look, I've, I've known Scotty since I first come to Tasmania back in 2001, and uh, we sort of clicked then, and we've, we've, we've had a relationship on and off. I, I never really worked for Scott until the last probably eight or ten years, and uh, we had such a great association. You know, we won multiple races, and, 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 and uh, Hobart, Hobart Cup, which was his hometown cup, for him and his dad, um, Dave, with Up Cups and Count Vinci for Scotty Brunton, and yeah, it just sort of we just sort of kicked off, and we we have massive blues, but we we blew, and you know half an hour later we're talking about what we're going to do next. So you know that's just the way we work, and it seems seems to have worked well. You started back in 1999. It was actually Boxing Day, your first ever ride, a Kerrang. That's correct. Yes, for a trainer called Ian Ashby, um, and he gave me the opportunity to get my license uh, in rural New South Wales. I, I was working on a dairy farm and. He bought me my first set of uh, race gear and, and to, to work it off, I was pulling cow tits. So, um, you know, that was, that was the first, <laughs> yeah, that was the, the first time that I got my, my, train, uh, my jockey's licence. And, yeah, I had my first ride boxing day at Kerrang. And it didn't take you that long to ride your first winner at Griffith. Yeah, it was. That was from Mal Hutchins and Lynn Hutchins um, at Danelic. And he, he was obviously a good trainer. He trained Sir Boom to win a couple of Manicados. So, um, you know, it was a privilege to be able to ride for, for an old, old fellow like that and on a, on a sheep farm and then um once once i finished there i went to um uh what was his name uh was that um cranburn um colin alderson at cranburn and had a little bit of success there before i moved to tasmania he had some good horses didn't he in those days as well colin i mean uh, there was a horse called alderson who was a who was a beauty yeah. but geez you know sky heights and sky heights yeah some wonderful horses yeah of course, that was a, like he was a great trainer, and like I said, I was I was I was just privileged to be able to be a part of uh, a team like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then what happened after that? What lured you to Tasmania? Uh, just just lack of opportunities in Victoria. You're, you're racing against you know 300, 300 jockeys. Where in in Tasmania they had twenty and, and five five apprentices, including uh, Craig Craig knew it at the time. And I just thought I'd, I'd probably have a better opportunity over in in Tasmania where they. Where they love putting apprentices on, and um, I was able to come over here in 2001, and I never left. Besides the inevitable, a horse had a great association with the stable mate Halliver Street. Lord Da Vinci is another one. Yeah, that's correct. Um, also, a horse for my master Ian Hay, a horse called Dragila, and she obviously won the Bow Mistress uh, down here um, back in 2001, um, and she was a she was a great horse too. But I've had I've had some quality horses. Obviously, Hell of a Street was a superstar, and now I'm getting the opportunity to ride the inevitable. Do you know what happens with him after this particular race? Uh, it just all depends on how he how he races on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Sorry, if he if he performs really really well, we'll possibly stay here and run in the um, King Charles. I know Mr. Brightside's running in it, but. He's got to have a crack at it if he performs really well on Saturday. Your strike race very good. I was just looking at it this morning. Like you've had six thousand eight hundred and eighty rides for over a thousand and three winners and sixteen hundred and forty placings. That's a terrific strike rate. Um, yeah, like it, it is. Uh, you know, it's, it's something to be proud of. And obviously, doing that just in Tasmania alone with you know a couple of couple of winners in Victoria, you know, is a great great feat in itself. And um, you know, to have a strike rate of that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with. 
What sort of sectionals can this little guy run? Now, we're just talking to John. He was saying you're amazed at him sometimes. You know how you think he's, you know, you pull him out and then he just, the gear kicks in, that little engine, yeah, the turbo. Yeah, he, he does. Like, um, you know, you sort of off the off the bridle and you sort of niggle him the whole entire race. But once he peels out and gets that clean air, he, he really lengthens his stride and, and knuckles down and hits the line. And like I said, he's, he's, he's finishing, his finish is just incredible and, for a little horse, you know, and I mean, he's only little. He's got an incredible stride on him, and I think it's his best attribute. Does he clean up at all, all the time? Feed? Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. He, he, he's he's a he's a little doer, and he, he, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been hard for you watching that the other day, not being there to ride him because you were suspended, weren't you? Yeah, I was. It was sort of a, a, a bit of a an error error on my behalf. I I, I took my nine day referral, and it was I was going to ride him in the. Um, in the group one on uh, on the Saturday, which he was scratched out of the Memsies, and uh, they they opted to run him the the week after, and unfortunately, I was I was suspended that week, so I just had to sort of sit back and grip my teeth and and watch him, and I was really proud of what he did in the CA marks, and um, I, I think you know stepping up to the mile second up is is is, is the way to go with him. And like I said, I hope he, hopefully he can he can finish off like he did uh, two, three, three, three weeks ago. David, did he have headgear on at one stage on his head? Yeah, he did. He had blinkers on, and um, it, it worked. It worked well early doors, and then he sort of he sort of fell out of form, and we had to take him to um, Devonport. Erica Byrne Burke rode him in a in a race at Devonport on the synthetic track to sort of to get him to win another race. And once he once he won that race, he sort of really kicked on from there. And we just thought at home he he wears no headgear and he's been galloping really well, so we opted to take the blinkers off. And um, last preparation. I was, that was probably the first time that I actually really had to had to sit on him last prep, and with all the headgear off, he he just sort of you know got back in his races and hit the line, and it just seemed to work. So we we decided to just keep him off of him. How many Group One rides have you had? <laughs> uh, this will be my second. I, I rode Hella in the Adelaide Oaks in a in a Group One. She she tailed off and finished last. So this is my second go at a, a Group One, and to be able to. Be on, be on the favourite is incredible. So hopefully we can we can do Tassie proud and, yeah. and win a Group One. Yeah, it'd be such a popular win, and you seem like a cool head. I don't think the stress of the day or the the big prize money and the prestige of the race would worry you at all. Well, I get I get butterflies and I get really nervous when I'm about to get on him. But once I'm on him and we sort of out in the track, it's, it's it's game on, and and we just go out there and try and get the job done. Lovely. Thanks to John as well. Thanks to yourself, David. No, you're welcome, David. David Perez, the regular jockey of the Pocket Dynamo, the inevitable running as favourite at this stage in the Tab Epsom uh, on the weekend. Let's have a look at the latest market for the feature bar, which is going to be race eight on the program. And 6.50, the inevitable. Nugget, 7.50. Hope in your hearts, 8.50. I love that mare. She's so genuine. Kovalika, 9. Redina, 13. Converge, 14. Democracy Manifest, one of Darren's favourite horses. Darren Flindell, all to do with a story, how the horse got its name with a guy that was falsely arrested in Brisbane all those years ago. And he said, he had a very posh voice, so we've played it before. He said, this is Democracy Manifest, as he was being put into the police car. He, was, he said, I'm enjoying a succulent Chinese meal. And anyway, it was all, all to do with a false arrest. Uh, and it just uh, yeah, it went viral uh, because of the way the guy spoke and so on when he was falsely arrested all those years ago. So they named this horse after after that situation. Uh, he's by Flying Artie. So he's uh, $15. Interesting with this short price favourite for the Metrop, Just Fine. 
Just went back and watched some of his international replays this morning when with Sir Michael Stout, who of course had Zaki in the, the Northern Hemisphere. And his last run before coming down under, he was very impressive at Leicester in a race over, Ryan Moore rode him, 2000. So this was October last year, the fourth actually. And he was actually last or near last in that race back in the field. And he came with a whirlwind run down the outside to win by a very big margin. Four and a half, I think the margin was. I put it on social media this morning on Twitter if you wanted to have a look on on uh, Steve Joseph 69, my Twitter account. I've put the replay, the closing stages on there. But, yeah, he came from last. So that's interesting. Now that Gay and Adrian train him, two for two. Um, one at a mile where he's outside lead. And the other one at 2,000 where he's outside lead. So they're almost carbon copies of each other when you watch them. And, of course, the times on both occasions were very good. So he's got featherweight, 50 kilograms on his back for Rachel King. And I said yesterday um, when I was doing the, the markets, I, I'm just used to in my head when I do these metro metropolitan markets every year, you're normally just used to saying, you know, $5 the field or something because it's normally very open. And there's a gentleman I follow on Twitter or a, a page called Form Focus. So it's at Form Focus HQ on social media. So I retweeted this tweet yesterday. So they've got here, Just Fine is poised to become the first ever odds-on favourite in the 156-year history of the Metro. Five horses have gone to the start at even money. In 1912, in a field of 28, Duke Foot, when they've got a photo of the horse, started even money and defeated subsequent Melbourne Cup winner Piastra by four. <laughs> 